Well, good evening to you all. Uh, It's good to see you this evening. Tonight we'll be picking up looking uh, at the book of Numbers, and we land in Numbers chapter 7. So if you'll turn with me there to Numbers chapter 7. We will be looking at the whole chapter tonight, and if you've looked ahead, you'll have noticed that the chapter is 89 verses long. It's a fairly lengthy chapter, Uh, but as we'll read it, you'll notice uh, verses 12 to 83 are very repetitive. Uh, They are listing the same thing over and over again, just with different people doing the task. So for sake of time, we won't read every verse, Um, so we'll read the first repetition uh, in verses 12 uh, and following, and then for each subsequent one, we'll just read the name of the person who offered it, and uh, we will resume in verse 84 reading every verse. So if you will read with me, uh, picking up in verse 1 of chapter 7. On the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and had anointed and consecrated it with all its furnishings and had anointed and consecrated the altar with all its utensils, the chiefs of Israel, heads of their fathers' houses, who were the chiefs of the tribes, who were over those who were listed, approached and brought their offerings before the Lord, six wagons and twelve oxen, a wagon for every two of the chiefs, and for each one an ox. They brought them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, Accept these from them, that they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting, and give them to the Levites, to each man according to his service. So Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two wagons and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon, according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari, according to their service, under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. But to the sons of Kohath he gave none, because they were charged with the service of the holy things that had to be carried on the shoulder. And the chiefs offered offerings for the dedication of the altar on the day when it was anointed, and the chiefs offered their offerings before the altar. And the Lord said to Moses, They shall offer their offerings, one chief each day, for the dedication of the altar. He who offered his offering the first day was Nashon, the son of Minadab, of the tribe of Judah. And his offering was one silver plate, whose weight was 130 shekels, one silver basin of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, one golden dish of 10 shekels, full of incense, one bull from the herd, one ram, one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Amminadab. On the second day, Nethanel, the son of Zuar, the chief of Issachar, made an offering. And then jumping down to verse 24. On the third day, Eliab, the son of Helon, the chief of the people of Zebulun, and then 30. On the fourth day, Elizur, the son of Shedeur, the chief of the people of Reuben. On the fifth day, Shalumiel, the son of Zerushadai, the chief of the people of Simeon. On the sixth day, Eliasaph, the son of Deuel, the chief of the people of Gad. On the seventh day, Elishama, the son of Amihud, the chief of the people of Ephraim. On the eighth day, Gamaliel, the son of Pedajur, the chief of the people of Manasseh. On the ninth day, Abidan, the son of Gideonai, the, peop- the chief of the people of Benjamin. On the tenth day, Ahiezer, the son of Amishadai, the chief of the people of Dan. 
On the eleventh day, Pagiel, the son of Okram, the chief of the people of Asher. On the twelfth day, Ahira, the son of Enon, the chief of the people of Naphtali. And then picking up in verse 84. This was the dedication offering for the altar on the day when it was anointed from the chiefs of Israel, twelve silver plates, twelve silver basins, twelve golden dishes, each silver, each silver plate weighing 130 shekels, and each basin 70, all the silver of the vessels 2,400 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The twelve golden dishes, full of incense, weighing 10 shekels apiece, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, all the gold of the dishes being 120 shekels. All the cattle for the burnt offering, 12 bulls, 12 rams, 12 male lambs a year old, with their grain offering, and 12 male goats for a sin offering. And all the cattle for the sacrifice of peace offerings, 24 bulls, the rams 60, the male goats 60, the male lambs a year old 60. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. And when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony, from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. Pray with me. O Lord, our prayer tonight as we approach your word uh, is the same. Every time uh, we open it and we look at it and we read uh, what you have written for our instruction, Um, even things that happened many centuries ago, uh, you have written down for our instruction as examples for us to follow. And we ask that you would make us uh, not hearers who forget, not people who simply read uh, and move on, Uh, but doers who act in response to your word. Please help our hearts to be in a right posture as we come to this passage to look at it. Um, Help us to see the instruction you have for us. And please give us the ability uh, to abide by your word and by your instruction. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Well, as many of you know, uh, I am a twin, so I have a twin brother, and I talk with him very often. Um, I guess I was used to talking to him before I got married every day, so we kind of try to imitate that with phone calls nowadays. Uh, And one time, uh, I was talking with him, and he was just telling me, he's newly married as well, and he was telling me about his interactions with people at his workplace. Uh, He was talking to them about being newly married. They were, of course, naturally asking how is marriage and what are you thinking of it. And uh, all he had to say were positives. Uh, He said, I love my wife. She treats me very well. Uh, She's just excellent, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. And uh, they looked at him with kind of a look of uh, disbelief. They didn't believe uh, that this marriage was so good. So they uh, somewhat have adopted this nickname for him, the honeymooner, because uh, it seems like he's still in this honeymoon phase. And of course, we all know what that honeymoon phase is. Uh, Some of us maybe did not experience it to the extent that uh, it's known for. But it's that phase in the beginning of a marriage where you go on a honeymoon and the the weeks following, and you're just so in love with your spouse. You want to do everything for them. You want to offer gifts to them whenever you have opportunity. You want to abide by their every word and uh, please them in every way that you can. And it's unfortunate that that is uh, looked upon just naturally to be a a temporary time. Like this is a time that fades. 
Um, I think God would have us interact with our spouses that time throughout the entire marriage, uh, not just for a time. Uh, but that is the uh, stereotype that has come to arise. So when we look at this passage, uh, we can think of it in the same way. Um, in this passage, we'll see the people of Israel acting very well. Uh, they abide by God's word. Uh, but as we go further in the book of Numbers, we will see that this obedience and this zeal for the Lord does not last. So when we look at this passage, uh, that honeymoon phase that they sort of have in their relationship with the Lord, we can look on and see as worthy of imitation. Um, the um, obedience that they exhibit is worthy of imitation. But we will also see uh, things looking later on in the book that we should not imitate. So as we look at this passage tonight, uh, we will see, we will look at what is praiseworthy. We'll look at, um, as well though, a truth that we need to keep in mind uh, as we look at this. Uh, so the first point that I want to bring out is that giving, giving is a good response to the Lord. Giving is a good response to the Lord. Uh, you see in this passage, what's going on is the people are offering sacrifices, uh, and it kind of comes in two stages, uh, their offerings. In the first part, they are offering wagons and oxen. If you remember, uh, we preached on chapter 4 in Numbers a couple weeks ago and outlined the tasks of the different clans of the Levites. Some were to carry uh, the hangings of the tabernacle as they, were trans uh, as they were moving place to place. Some were to move the skeleton, the beams and crossbars, and some were to move the holy things. And we see here the people of Israel are offering them and giving them uh, wagons and oxen so they can accomplish these tasks. You can think this tabernacle is a good-sized structure. It would have had many uh, feet and cubic feet of hangings that would be very difficult to carry just by hand. Uh, so here the people of Israel are giving them wagons, and they're assigning them based on those roles. The men who were uh, carrying the most holy things were not given wagons. They were treated differently. And you can think as they're moving uh, from place to place and they're carrying this ark on their shoulders that they would maybe get tired. And if they had a wagon, they would be tempted to say, well, let's put on the wagon for a while, but that is not how it was supposed to be carried. So the people do not give them that opportunity. Uh, and then for uh, the other tribe, they give them to carry this skeleton as well. And one thing that's worthy of notice here is that there's no divine imperative for this to happen. Uh, it's not recorded that God tells the people to give these wagons and oxen. It seems to be the people just responding. They hear of these tasks that the uh, Levites are supposed to um, accomplish and serve in, and they see that need that is there. And what do they do? They meet that need by giving them carts and oxen. Um, they are not commanded to. Moses is commanded to accept them from the Levites, or from the Israelites, pardon me, but they are not commanded to give it. Is there is the overflow uh, of their hearts that they are giving these to the Levites. And this is a good point of instruction for us uh, today in our giving and our service to the Lord. Um, we do not have to simply be reactionary uh, to calls to give to the Lord. We, of course, see 
uh, many calls in Scripture to give praise to the Lord, to serve Him, to uh, offer our lives up as living sacrifices. Uh, but we do not just need to be reactionary. We can be proactive in serving the Lord. Um, but as well, if we see a need in our body, the body that is the church, we should endeavor to meet that need. Um, if there is a need that a church is having so they can serve the Lord, we as the body of Christ should endeavor to meet that need so we would not hinder their service. Uh, if there is a need that missionaries have for financial support, it is a good response, uh, a good action for us to give to them and not to be stingy with what we have, the time uh, that we have. So that is the first uh, set of offerings of sorts that the people of Israel give is uh, for the service of the Levites. The second, which uh, takes place in verses 12 through 83, is the dedication of the tabernacle. Uh, We're not really used to dedications nowadays, but what's going on here is they're dedicating the tabernacle in that the tabernacle has been built, it has been erected, And they are setting it apart for holy use by offering an abundance of sacrifices. And it's kind of hard to see um, just from where we are. We don't offer sacrifices. We don't live in the type of culture that the Israelites did. But the sacrifices they offer are immense. They offer a great abundance um, of sacrifices. If you just count the animals uh, for the peace offerings, they offer 17 sacrifices animals just for peace offerings, and that's just each tribe is 17. So if you total it up, the total number of animal sacrifices is 252. And you can imagine that is a large amount. This is not just a, an ordinary thing. Um, this is a special event where they're offering this many sacrifices. They're bringing these to the tabernacle uh, to be sacrificed. Uh, and they're also bringing plates um, and dishes with incense and with grain. And you look at these, and if you look in the book of Leviticus, in the first couple chapters, you see the uh, standards for these offerings. What animals are supposed to go with which? uh, How is the grain supposed to be presented? How is the incense supposed to be made? And how are the animals even to be killed? And we see here that the people follow every one of those commands. Uh, The animals that they offer accord with God's commands. They are following his word to the letter. So why are they offering such, so extravagantly? Why are they um, bringing such great gifts to the Lord? And the reason is because we see at the beginning of the chapter, this is on the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle. So this is the day when God's presence amongst the pe- among the people becomes visible. You can look at the tabernacle You couldn't look at the ark, but you can hear of what it is, and you can know the Lord is with us. We are sinful, but he has come to us. So they are consecrating this tabernacle, and you can even see, um, of course, this passage is very repetitive, but it seems that almost the passage has to be large to encompass the grandeur of the event this this is. It's not to be done in one day. You see God saying that each chief should offer his sacrifices on a different day. The um, celebration had to extend many days because it was such a monumentous occasion.
if you were, this is the first occasion uh, where the people can approach the Lord. If, this, if you were in a situation where you were approaching the Lord for the first time, would your first inclination be to give Him gifts? Would it be to offer sacrifices and, be, and bring Him praise? I think so often we think of God in this consumerist way where we just go to Him to get things from Him. Uh, we treat Him shamefully uh, like a genie sometimes that we just go to to get things that we need. But the people of Israel, the first thing that they do when the Lord comes down and dwells with them is they bring Him gifts. Um, and that is a good response. There's no offense in this passage. There's no chastisement for doing things wrong. They are, this is all framed as a blessed thing to do, that they would give gifts to the Lord and offer sacrifices to Him. So for us, we are, we are called uh, to present our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. We're called to live in such a way that we are giving Him of our time, our energy, our money even. Uh, and this is, what we are, this is what we are called to do. This is how we should act. This is a right response to the goodness of the Lord. And we can even think that God has done so much more for us than He did for the Israelites. He had ransomed them from Egypt. He had rescued them from their bondage. But they return uh, to their sin and they are judged for it. We have the promise of eternal life, uh, that we have been saved from our sins, that He has offered up His Son as a perfect sacrifice. So we should respond in just as much, if not more, um, generosity and zeal for the Lord than the Israelites did in this passage, we should give him um, everything that we have. And we see a good foil for this um, in the account that actually we read this morning in the New Testament in Acts 5, 1 through 11 of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, if you recall, what goes on in that passage is uh, the people, the disciples, these people who are being added to the church daily are so zealous for the Lord and so um, grateful for what he's done for them that they are giving uh, their possessions to any who had need. Uh, if somebody needed uh, transportation, if somebody needed furniture, they were giving these things away. Even selling their possessions and giving their money to the church for the service of the Lord. So Ananias and Sapphira join in on this, and they sell a piece of property, and they bring the proceeds to the disciples to give. But uh, known to both of them, they withhold a portion of it. Um, they do not give everything to the Lord, but they give a portion of it. And they even lie about it. They say, this is how much we sold the land for, was this small amount, when they had sold it for much more. And of course, Peter confronts them, and uh, drastically and dramatically, they both fall dead uh, at the confrontation of their sin. They gave. Um, the disciples received money from Ananias and Sapphira, but that offering was not accepted. It was not received because they only sought attention and praise. Um, they saw what everyone else was doing and the attention they were getting and said, we want to participate in that as well so we can exalt ourselves, so that we can think more highly 
of ourselves. So we're reminded in that passage that God is not some tribal deity that we bribe with offerings. Um, He is not someone that we can pay off for acceptance. That is not who he is. And this leads us to the second point uh, that we want to consider, which is that giving is not our way to the Lord. With the Israelites in this passage, we see such a great example of generosity. Um, We see them giving of everything. We see them living by the word of the Lord. We see them meeting the needs of the people. And we see Moses going in and communing with the Lord above the mercy seat. But tragically, like many honeymoon phases, uh, this does not last. And as we'll see, uh, once you get just a couple chapters removed from here, you'll see that the people exhibit such disobedience to the Lord. They rebel ferociously. They're, they're called to repent, and they don't. Uh, they, but they persist in their disobedience, and they're resisting his will for them. And they are destroyed for it. Uh, they are sent into the wilderness to wander, and the entire generation that resists the Lord and rebels and disobeys is destroyed. The sacrifices they offered here were not sufficient. Uh, they, they consecrated, they dedicated the tabernacle. They loved uh, the people around them by serving the Levites. But it was not enough. They still met their end uh, because they disobeyed in the end. So for us, uh, that offers up the question, for us who have not given everything to the Lord, for us who have sinned, who um, have not given such sacrifices, who have not given such offerings, uh, what hope is there for us? And the hope is that uh, God does need a sacrifice. He does need an offering uh, to accept us, but it is not one that we can give. It is one that only he can give. Uh, And praise the Lord, he has given it for us. Uh, We can be saved. We are not hopeless. We do not beat our heads against a wall saying there is no way for us to be saved. But we can rejoice that the Lord has provided his son. He has um, sent his son to die for us so we might be reconciled to him. And in our belief in that, in our acceptance, in our serving of the Lord as a response to the goodness that he has given us, the grace with which he's treated us, we should respond in giving. Um, He has given us so much, we should give back just a portion of what we have. And we should persevere in that. Um, The people of Israel exhibit great obedience here, but only for a time. And maybe you can think of a a friend that you've had who you preach the gospel to and who sprouts up uh, quick as a weed. Uh, He's zealous for everything. She's zealous to read the word, to encourage others. But tragically, they don't persevere. Uh, They fall away. And it's a great tragedy when that happens. We, as children of God, should endeavor to persevere in our service of him. Let our service not just be eye service um, or lip service that people would see us, but let us give out of the abundance of our hearts that God has given us so much, that he has saved us, that he has blessed us with all the heavenly blessings. And let us continue in that because he is worthy 
of a lifelong uh, dedication to him. Let us not act foolishly in a honeymoon fashion uh, where we serve the Lord for a time and obey for a time and afterwards are at nothing but enmity with him. But let us persevere um, in the will of the Lord, being blessed in our doing and blessing God with our lives. Pray with me. Well, Lord, you have called us who are your children, not just to be people loved by God who receive your blessings, but we are called to be people who love God in return. Uh, And we pray as we are so weak and so feeble and frail that you would help us in our love for you. Help us put to death the sin that is in us. Help us not um, go back to the domain of darkness that we were once in, but let us live in the light, delighting to do your will and delighting ultimately in your Son uh, who gives us a way to be reconciled to you. Please help us offer up our lives um, to you, to give of them, to hold no idolatry in our hearts where we would value possessions or time or prestige over you. But let us be wholly devoted to you, wholly willing to sacrifice for you. And we pray this um, through your Son. Amen.